Well, good morning. I guess I'm talking to some of our guests, right? <laughs> and by the way, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are so grateful that you're here. And we do have a good number of guests, first-time guests this morning. It's so good to have you. If you are a guest today and uh, this is your first time or if you've never filled out a guest card, I'd love for you to take the opportunity, if you would, to just fill that out and drop it in one of the offering boxes when you leave. It makes it a lot easier for me to recognize you at another time, but also we would like to, to uh, send you a, uh, a letter and let you know a little bit about our ministry here. But we so appreciate you being here. In fact, for all of us who are members and guests, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's join together in prayer. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come. Uh, enjoy the fellowship around, uh, not only in our Bible study classes, around the tables and the fellowship time, but now, Father, here in our worship center. And I pray, that, Father, today as we uh, think about Thanksgiving and we focus on our time of worship and around the theme of peace, making peace with others. Father, the themes all run together because these are the qualities that you have and that you want each of us to have. And so today, God, as we lift up our voices in song, as we hear the prayers and the testimonies and the celebrations of what this day is meant, I pray that you will take that as an aroma of praise from us. And Father, as we join together in our congregational singing, as we engage as a, uh, a body of Christ, a family of faith, and Father, we will be challenged and encouraged. So today, we ask your spirit to move mightily among us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the power and the glory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. 
Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name.
Well, good morning to you all, and he has done great things for each and every one of us. Amen. A prayer of thanksgiving, Psalm 100. Shout for the joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we can reverence you and shout for joy. We give thanks. For you are our God. You made us. We are the sheep of your pasture. You alone, God, are good. The Lord is our shepherd, and he protects us. You provide for us, and you provide a path for us to follow you. Accepting you, Lord Jesus, we know you are with us and live in us. Thanks be to the Holy Spirit. We all hurt and go through difficult times. Our God is awesome and always provides his loving kindness. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Thanks be to you, God, for your love endures forever. And all God's children said, Amen. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Let's sing together.
how can I say thanks for all the things he's done for us? Would you stand again as we sing? How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you give to me. Before Brenda comes to read our scripture this morning, Dr. Bob Marty, who is co-chairperson of our missions team, will come and offer a prayer of dedication for all of these Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes that will be going to children around the world. Dr. Marty. Before I pray this morning, I'd like to say thank you to the church. Thank you to Asante Church, uh, one of the church plants that we're working with. But between our church and their church, we have 235 boxes that we're going to be sending. Be loaded up at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And I want to thank you on behalf of our entire missions team for your kindness and for your thoughtfulness. And I do want to especially say to you that there were not only those who have filled the boxes, but there were many in our church congregation who did not fill the boxes, but they gave money that will be sent along with these boxes to different places. These 235 boxes, and by the way, if any of you are here who have failed to bring your box, please try to have it here by 9 o'clock tomorrow morning because that's when we start loading them up uh, to send them off. But in every single box, be millions of them be going around to, to children around the world. And in every box, 
the plan of salvation in the language of that child will be presented to them. I think that's phenomenal. In a very special way, our church has the opportunity to be missionaries around the world simply because each of you were willing to give that children might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we just want to say thank you for your love, for your concern, for your giving, your kindness, your grace, and your prayers. Please join me as we pray for these boxes as they go. And also, remember to pray daily that the children who receive this will come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for blessing our lives. Thank you for providing for us. And for providing in us in such a way that we have a heart of love and a heart of giving that others might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Our Father, we pray for every child that your spirit will begin to work in their lives now, that as they receive these gifts, they recognize the love of God's people. And we pray, Father, that as they read the message of Jesus in their own language, they might come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And we also want to say thank you for those parents who will read, be reading to some of these children because they have yet learned how to read. And we pray, Father, that you might use them as your mouthpiece to share the news of Christ. Our Father, we pray your blessings, and not only upon the boxes we have in front of us now, but we pray your blessings upon every single box that will go to every child around the world. And on a day of thanks, today and every day, we should say thank you, Father, for your love, for the gift of your Son, Christ Jesus, and for the knowledge that by confessing the weaknesses in our lives, we can be forgiven. Bless these boxes for your name and your name alone. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. scripture reading for today is Psalms 133. You can follow along in the Pew Bible or on the screen. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. These are the words of the Lord. The Gaithers made our next hymn popular several years ago. I am loved. I am loved, I can risk loving you. For the one who knows me best loves me most. We're going to sing it together.
The psalmist in 133, verse 1, as Brenda read, says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. My brother is five and a half years older than I am. And all through the growing up years, he was stronger, he was bigger until we got grown. <laughs> but I tell you what, he, uh, he used to uh, use that in such a way that uh, I knew that he was my bigger brother. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, through those growing up years, you ne never had a better person to stand beside you and to... Uh, defend you when you were small, to work together with you, to have uh, a relationship, whether even if it's long distance, to where you can confide in one another. It's a really special relationship. And I have that with my sister as well. A little bit different setting because 
she was a bit older than uh, my brother and I. But being able in these, uh, especially these last probably 10 or 12 years, to spend a lot more time. There's, there's something about being together and having of the same mind. And the psalmist here is striving to give us a good understanding of that. He said, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. The term brothers in the context has the idea of people that have the same common bond. If God's people are going to be effective we're going to have to make sure that we learn the importance of getting along with other people. So making peace with others and having that amazing relationship where he talks about it being pleasant and good is vital and important. Now most of us who are followers of God, we realize the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We realize the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives giving us confidence to live a life set apart for him we also realize the importance to have a passion for souls who are lost people that don't have a personal relationship with christ but sometimes we're either blinded or we forget how important unity is in meaningful service and worthwhile living that's the desire of what the psalmist is trying to get across Brothers, people of common bond, for us, believers in the family of faith, people who have a relationship with Christ, we must walk together step by step. There are four things that basically I draw out of this passage that I think is important for us, especially as we look forward to this week that uh, we highlight Thanksgiving, which should always be a part of our heart. The psalmist gave the emphasis of how important unity is. He described it in verse 1 as how good and pleasant. Now the antithesis to that is that it would be bad and unpleasant if we did not have unity. You catch that? He's coming with a very positive move. How good and pleasant it is when brothers are together in unity. Now look at this. He gives two illustrations. He talks about both uh, these analogies, the unity to the precious oil and the life-giving dew. Now he talks about the oil and, and how it's like the oil that was put upon Aaron's head. How it came down over onto his beard. Very descript and onto his collar. And I can just imagine that oil continuing down his garments and hitting the ground. It was a time when he was consecrated, anointed as the high priest of Israel. And that oil was poured on his head and ran through the process of his head and on the, down to the ground. It was an outward and visible expression of the inner consecration, the inner dedication that Aaron had and that God had for Aaron. And I think it's interesting how the psalmist, how David puts this together to say when we have a good and pleasant time when we're in unity together, he compares it to that oil 
Unity is to us what oil was to Aaron. It, it is a, uh, as we are unified together, it's that outward visible expression of our consecration and our dedication to God, that whatever God desires in a church's life or in our personal life takes precedent over everything or everyone else. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know you, that you are my disciples, if you love one another. He was very clear about this. If you're not showing love to one another, then how, are, how is the world going to know that you are my disciples? So it's simple as this. How can we convince a lost world that we serve a God of love if we cannot love one another? And so that love, and it's agape type of love, is critical. You know, choosing to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ means that we are going to join hands with other Christians in doing the will and the work of God. There is not a thing that is classified as coming to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm going to be alone in my Christian faith from here on. That's why the Lord established the church to bring believers together. We are strong in unity when we're together. We can accomplish the desire of God when we're together. We can worship Him as we are the family of faith. We can learn what the Scripture says and be taught and be equipped and be sent out. All of these characteristics come because God has brought us together. It's important. We must always be ready to put aside our petty jealousies, our silly differences, our sinful pride, and get on with giving the world a demonstration of what Christian unity is by loving one another. What the psalmist is trying to get across. So a beautiful analogy of oil, and then he goes and, and brings an analogy of dew. The dew referred to here are the tiny droplets of moisture that form on plants there on Mount Hermon. <laughs> he said how wonderful it is. Dew is God's way of watering the flowers and the grass every day. There's some places in the world that the dew actually brings more moisture than rain in that tropic, that area, that uh, uh, geography. And what is he trying to say? He says, listen, unity has that kind of effect on us. It's the source, like the dew is to the plants that give its vitality, that causes it to grow. So unity is that kind of refreshment, that kind of vitality in our lives that create, create in us a way to have life, a way for a church to have uh, existence, to accomplish his desire. It actually penetrates through every single relationship that we might have. That dew, which is life-giving to plants, he said, it's just like that on Mount Zion. And he goes on to say, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life everlasting. He brings that into focus of saying that dew is vital. And it's all tied back to the unity in verse 1. So unity is important. It's vital. He goes on to say that there is a force of unity. It gives strength, that force or power of unity. It, it is, if I could use a, a term that's probably overused today, but it's awesome. <laughs> okay, 
It gives strength to any church. It gives strength to any individual bringing us together. But as we focus upon the church, the brothers, it is important to have that force together. Back when I was in college, the Philadelphia 76ers, a national basketball team, had probably the greatest players ever assembled on one team that money could buy. <laughs> they, they were incredible. Individually, they had skills and abilities above anyone else. In fact, it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to walk away with the NBA championship. But then, they did well until they met the Portland Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers, well, they were an inferior team. All the broadcasters talked about how inferior they were. They just weren't going to do it. But guess what? They won the 1977 championship. And why was that? Because the 76ers didn't play as a team. In fact, a reporter asked Gene Shu, the coach, if his team had a morale problem. He replied, no, my players are too busy not talking to one another to have a morale problem. <laughs> The 76ers had immense individual talent, but there was so much jealousy and individualism that they weren't really a team. And because of that, they lost. Coach Paul Bear Bryant, who I've spoken about before, he was, the, at that time, the winningest coach in football history. He confided shortly before his death this, I'm just a plow hand from Arkansas, but I've learned over the years how to hold a team together, how to lift some men up, and how to calm others down until finally they've got one heartbeat together, a team. I think that's the key to success in any realm, especially in a church, of getting people to work together, to love one another, to have the same heartbeat. And it's like that in the relationships with people as well. Unity is essential to a good marriage. Peter, in his first letter in 1 Peter 3, 7, he urged Christian husbands to be understanding and sensitive to their wives and to treat them with respect and, quote, that your prayers will not be hindered. Huh. That word hindered, you translate it uh, in a uh, from the Greek uh, it's kind of where we get our derive a word called static conflict in marriage creates a static you ever get frustrated when you're on a cell phone and uh, somebody's not in an area that is a good area and all you can hear is every third or fourth word you get that static how well are you able to communicate but not well at all well, that's what happens if, as Peter's saying, if husbands in your relationships aren't listening, aren't giving the respect that's needed. It's true in every kind of relationship, but he's focusing on one particular thing, and he's saying unity is essential in an effective marriage. It's going to be essential for an effective prayer life and a good marriage. And unity is also vital in the church. I'm a Baptist by choice, and uh, Baptists have long been noted for their independent spirit. We're people of the book. But you know the old adage, 
Where there are two Baptists, there are three opinions. <laughs> and that's probably about right. You probably heard about the six men who were marooned on an island. Two were Catholic, two were Jewish, and two were Baptists. The two Catholics joined together and they formed St. Mary's Catholic Church. And the two Jews banded together and formed Temple of Bethel. The two Baptists could not agree, and so they split. One started Harmony Baptist Church, the other Fellowship Baptist Church. You know who we are as Baptists, but we love our spirit. We love that independence. We love that desire. While independence, though, is a valued and treasured part of our heritage, it can be taken too far. It must not be allowed to destroy our unity. Christians can very possibly have a bitter spirit, a, a quarrelsome disposition, uh, a, a divisive spirit or attitude among themselves. They can lack the loving spirit that the Lord desires us to have. And if, if that happens, then it creates disunity within the body. So it's important for us to be very quick to put aside any differences or prejudice and make sure that we put God first. That's what the psalmist is trying to get across, how good and pleasant it is, he says. That's what we want when we come together with the body of Christ and accomplishing the very things that God has called us to do. Third, we find that uh, he talks about the course of unity. The psalmist when he talks about the course, he says it enables us to, as he said, to dwell together. To dwell together. It is, it is not a happy day when there are two people who are living together that are always fighting. <laughs> quarreling together. To live together, there has got to be this sense of unity and desire for peace. So what is Unity. Well, perhaps it's best to understand it by telling us what unity is not. Unity is not union or uniformity. Union or uniformity is an outward, but unity is inward. Union or uniformity is organizational, but unity is spiritual. Unity is not being unanimous on an issue. It is not necessary for, for two people to be in total agreement about everything in order to be unified. We don't have to see eye to eye to be arm in arm to accomplish the desire of God. Two people can be brothers without being identical twins. We can disagree without being disagreeable. We should not fear holding different opinions so long as we don't embrace unbrotherly love and attitude. If our position is a matter of conviction and you've prayed about that, then you're not going to be easily swayed to move from that position because it's conviction that should be biblically based. However, we must learn to distinguish between what are principles and what are preferences. Those are two different things. Principles is where we have our convictions and where it's almost like the idea of this is where I stand It's my core value and I will not be moved on that Preferences are my opinions what I think is probably best But it's not the law So with principles we need to stand like a rock with preferences we need to drift like the fog 
So what is unity? Well, three things come to mind. It is a singleness of purpose and action. It is a common a commitment to a cause that is greater than our own personal opinions or biases. It is putting aside personal wishes so that we might achieve a common goal that's more important than anything else. For us, it's because God has given us that. I think probably the best example of unity that I can think of is an orchestra. You know, when you, if you've ever been to, uh, to listen to an orchestra or been involved in an orchestra, you know it well. That there you have many different people with many different abilities and skills with many different kinds of instruments. Now, the only way an orchestra can produce harmony is if each individual musician yields to both the conductor and the musical score. It wouldn't work too well, I don't think, if, uh, if a musician decided to play a different piece of music when everybody else is playing, you know, the particular score the conductor's given them. And I don't think it would go too well if that musician decided when he would play and when he wouldn't play rather than looking at the score. Can you imagine what that would sound like? Well, if you've ever been to a fourth grade band concert, you probably know what that is. <laughs> Harmony happens from each musician yielding to the conductor and playing their part correctly and at the right time. And I think the surest way to have harmony in life is for us to yield to the will of our Heavenly Father because He is the perfect conductor. The last thing the psalmist is striving to get across is the source of unity. The psalmist speaks of unity. He says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Our unity is the common bond that we have with Jesus Christ. We all experienced at one time or another the understanding or the time that, uh, that we had a spiritual void. And we were searching. And it might have been when we were young. It might have been in our latter years. But we came to understand that Jesus was the one who's going to fill that void. And we asked Christ to come into our life. And we joined together with other brothers and sisters, and all of a sudden we had this relationship, a common bond. Discord results when people are seeking their own way or their own glory. The Apostle John told us about a man in 3 John 9, uh, Diotrophes, who was that kind of leader. John described him as fond of being first. Within that body, he was fond of being first. And that attitude is the first step that will begin to create disunity anywhere and any place. This gentleman would not welcome traveling missionaries, believers when they came. They would not see, he would not support their ministry nor would he allow anyone else within the congregation to do that. And so the result was a strangulation of missions, strife within the fellowship for those who wanted to help in that mission endeavor. He even went as far as using sharp, cutting words against those that he did not agree with. Words are most often 
the vehicles of strife. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 26, 20, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. It's the idea of words. This gentleman, like people today, his focus was building himself up by cutting others down. It shows selfishness, it shows pride, and it is a step into the realm of disunity. So what is the solution? Because most of us, at some time or another, we could be tempted that direction. Thinking that our directions, our, our principles are the very best, our opinions or preferences take precedent. So what's the solution to disunity and strife and division? Well, I think the scripture, if you look at the entirety of it, says that having the mind of Christ is critical. And Paul addresses that in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And I have on the screen also the, the King James Version. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We need to have the mind of Christ, which is the attitude of Christ. This is, this is what we need to have. The word mind, it is not talking about Christ's intellectual grasp, because there is no one that had a greater intellectual grasp than he did. It's to have, rather, his character, his disposition, his spirit, his attitude. And what was his attitude? What is the attitude that Christ had that we should have? Humility. Here we find that Jesus was in heaven. He had uh, every right to reign. He had every right to receive the honor every single day and the glories of heaven. He is the Son of God. But he voluntarily gave up the right of heaven and his reputation in heaven and stepped down on earth to become a servant. Talk about humility. He gave up the glory of heaven for the gloom of the cross where he died as a common criminal. Humility. He stooped from the heights of heaven to the depths of humiliation, and that was for you and for me. And so, why would any of us think that we are, have the better idea, the better preference? The Word of God needs to guide us. And we come together in this sense of unity. When we look at Christ, we find that kind of mind, humility, in making peace in our relationships with others. It is critical to come with humility. He says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And move then to the latter part of verse 3. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life everlasting. Wow. That is a powerful passage from David. As we prepare for our Thanksgiving season, a day that we celebrate, a day that we reflect, this passage speaks volumes. 
as we come together to love one another, to have God's greatest desire to be our desire. Not to assert ourselves where God doesn't want us to, but to give ourselves fully to the work of God and to our loving one another. How else is the world going to know? This morning, I would like to ask you in your prayer time before our invitation to ask God to give you that character of humility. And like the illustration of the orchestra, use your giftedness. And say, God, I give this to you. And God, I give my commitment to you. I want to be consecrated. I want to be dedicated to you. Just like the oil of Aaron and the dew on Mount Hermon. Because I want your blessing. And I want you to bless our family of faith. And when my time comes to leave this earth, I want to be able to say, God, I committed myself to you. And I was in unity working together with my brothers and sisters to do your work. It's most important. Father, as we move into our invitation, I ask that you would speak to each one of us. And Father, if, if you share things with each one of us that we need to do or things that we need to focus on in the realm of humility or unity or making peace in our relationships, and God, I pray that we'll commit to it and we will dedicate ourselves before you this morning that this is what we're going to do. And Father, I pray maybe we'll write that down and say, God, as I write this down, as I commit it to you, God, I'm going to do this. Because our greatest joy is to work together for your kingdom because nothing else matters more than that. And so whatever decisions are made today, Father, we accept them. We look forward to them. And with thankfulness, we thank you for your son's example of humility. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and sing our invitation hymn. I'll be here at the front of any decision you need to make. You come and make that. Give all my service to
Go ahead and be seated. Our ushers are going to uh, to give and pass through uh, the different rows our, uh, our ballots. We are electing uh, deacons for this uh, to begin in February. We have two that are being recommended by the uh, deacon screening team. Uh, so ushers, if you'll go ahead and, and uh, start passing those out. We, uh, if uh, these are for members, if you're not a member, then if you'll just pass them on, uh, we would appreciate that. There are pencils in the pew in front of you if you don't have any. There is a very specific uh, thing that says yes or no on uh, Brother Al. Al, would you just stand for just a moment? This is Al Jackson. has been a deacon a long time at our church here. All right. Al, thank you very much. And Bill Sweeney. Bill, there you are. Just so you know who they are. Thank you, Bill. So as you have them, uh, if you'll just mark either yes or no, fold that ballot if you would, and then if you'll pass it to the middle, well, I guess to the aisles on either side of the middle section. And as you're doing that, just let me say, um, we've heard so many wonderful comments about this past Wednesday's Thanksgiving Missions Awareness Banquet. Uh, it was a good time. And one of the things that really struck me was... Uh, not only the full house, but also uh, just the, the music that was incredibly spiritual. Dr. Johnson did a great job sharing the, uh, the challenge with us. But uh, many of the things that I heard is it's so good to be back together in that sense of unity and peace and to just have a, a great fellowship time. And there is a lot coming down the pike um, as we move into to, uh, December. And I know that... Uh, that Miss Nancy has that information for you. So uh, if you, when you're finished with those ballots, if you'll fold them and bring them to the middle and the ushers will come back and pick them up, but I'd appreciate that and I'll let Nancy go ahead and, and finish up our Don't forget the life choir, together. Pastor. The, choir. the choir needs some ballots, I believe. Jerry, when you get a chance, if we could hit the choir up here. I mean, not literally hit the choir. On Tuesday morning from 9 until noon, this area plus other areas throughout our building will be transformed from Thanksgiving decorations to Christmas. So when you come next Sunday, we will start the season of Advent and those who are in the decorating team would be happy to have some help. If you can come for all of that time, great, or if you can come for only part of that time, your help would be appreciated and welcome. That is Tuesday from 9 until noon. Next Sunday, we will also be observing hanging of the green. I will be making some calls to some of you to assist with that, so I hope you will plan to be part of next Sunday. It will be a great time of worship and the beginning of our Christmas celebrations. Speaking of Christmas, there's a Christmas movie party on Thursday, December the 2nd. You'll see it on the back of your bulletin. Lunch is at 12.30. For those of you who would like to reserve a spot, we need to hear from you by next Monday at 4 o'clock at the latest. We order the lunch. It is $5 each. But if you want to come for just the movie, you don't need to let us know. Just come. At 1 o'clock, we'll be seeing a Charlie Brown Christmas. Then we will have an intermission with hot cocoa, cider, and lots of sweets, followed by the movie The Star. 
And if you read uh, the e-blast this week, you know about the stars. So please plan to be part of that on Thursday, December 2nd, and bring a friend with you. We would welcome that. Ladies, there is a sign-up for you if you are planning to be part of the all-ladies Christmas luncheon on Thursday the 9th at 11 o'clock. Special music by Dr. Heidi Hernandez, who is a, an excellent harpist. We had her for a Thanksgiving banquet several years ago. You will not be disappointed. Men's breakfast on Tuesday the 7th at 8. And then the last thing I want to draw attention to, we have a special guest missionary speaker at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, December 1st. Molly, that's the name we're using for her. She grew up in Phoenix, and you will read some about her on the back of your bulletin. We hope that you will be part of that. I'm kind of delaying because I see that the ballots are still being passed. But a lot is happening. Invite friends. Continue to pray for the choir as we make some final preparations for the musical, which will be Sunday morning, December 19th. I'm going to ask Casey Boss, who is chairperson of our security team, to come and lead us in our closing prayer. Would you stand as he comes? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, and God, we just come to you with grateful hearts this morning, Father. We are so thankful, Lord, for this church and the messages that we receive in this church, Lord, and this morning's message on unity. Lord, the bottom line is, to be unified, we need to love each other. And God, I just thank you that we feel that here in this congregation, this fellowship of believers, Lord, and I pray that it may continue. Father, also, the focus this morning is on Thanksgiving. Lord, as we prepare this week for Thanksgiving Day, I just pray, Lord, that it will not just be one day, but God, as my dad used to say, Thanksgiving is thanks living. And God, we just thank you for that, for my father and his, his message to me. And I remember it every, every year at this time, Father. Now, Lord, I just ask that you will bless us and keep us, that your face will shine upon us, and that you will give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you. 